This is a long passage, but I want to read it all because it's very important to read God's Word and to see all that He says in this passage. So follow with me in your Bibles as I read. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine and flesh, fat-fleshed, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kine upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kine uh, did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kine. So Pharaoh awoke. And he slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up upon the stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears, and Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that, the, that his spirit was troubled. He sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof, and Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my fault, faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants, and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man, a Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man according to his dream he did interpret. And it came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he showed himself and changed him, and shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace." And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, In my dream, behold, I stood upon the bank of the river, and behold, there came up out of the river seven kine, fat-fleshed and well-favored, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up after them, poor and very ill-favored and, and lean, flesh, lean flesh, such as I never saw in all the land of Egypt for, for, for badness. And the lean and ill-favored a kind did eat up the first seven fat kind. And when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them, but they were still ill-favored as at the beginning. So I awoke. And I saw in my dream, and behold, seven ears came up in one stalk, full and good. And behold, seven ears withered, and uh, thin and blasted with the east winds sprang up after them. And the thin ears devoured the seven good ears. And I told this unto the magicians, but there was none that could declare it to me. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. And the seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blasted with east, with east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth 
unto Pharaoh. And behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. And there shall rise after them seven years of famine. And all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that the the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise, and set him over all the land of Egypt. And let Pharaoh do this, and let, let him appoint officers over the land, and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. And let them gather all food of those good years that come, and lay up some uh, corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for the store of the, la- of the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find a, such a, a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all the people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off the ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen. And he put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which, it, which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him, made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name zaphath paneah and he gave him a, to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, king of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all, all, throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the, the earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities, the food of the field which was round about every city Lady up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn in the, as the sand of the sea very much until he left, left numbering, for it was without number. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God, said he, hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be, be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt uh, were ended, and the seven years of dearth began to come, according as Joseph had said, and the dearth were, were in all the lands, but in the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people, uh, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, what he saith to you, do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn, because the famine was so sore 
in all lands. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of this account. We thank you for the wonderful story of Joseph. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to draw from this chapter the truths that we need this morning. Help us, Lord, to trust you, regardless what comes, regardless what takes place in our life. Help us to trust you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Believers in Jesus Christ had the responsibility and the privilege of trusting in the Lord. It is our responsibility to trust Him because God commands us to do so. Psalm 4, verse 5 says, Put your trust in the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's not only our responsibility, but it's also our privilege to trust the Lord because He, of, of, of everyone, He's the only one in all the universe that can be fully trusted. He is trustworthy. He never lies. He is all wise. He never fails. He is faithful. He cares for us. He is everywhere present. He's all all powerful. He loves us enough to die for us. All of those things make him a trustworthy God, so we have the privilege of trusting him. If we trust the Lord completely, we will never be disappointed. There is no problem too hard for him to solve. There is no enemy too strong for him to defeat. There is no sin too great for him to forgive. There is no alternatives better or as good as his will. If you trust him and do his will, you will never come to the end of your life and say, I wish I had not trusted the Lord or I wish I had not obeyed the Lord. You'll never say that. Sin always disappoints. Jesus never disappoints. Satan always deceives. Jesus always tells the truth. Genesis 41 beautifully illustrates the truth of the message title, and that is you can trust the Lord. Now, I know the story of Joseph doesn't doesn't end until chapter 50, but chapter 41 sets in motion all the good things that will happen in Joseph's life. Chapter 41 begins the fulfillment of Joseph's dreams, which he had in chapter 37. God revealed to him that one day, he would be in a position of authority so that his whole family would actually bow to him. His first dream said this, We were binding sheaves, he told his brothers. We were binding sheaves in the field, and my sheaf arose, and your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheep. And then he had another dream, and he he said, The sun, the moon, and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And Joseph believed what God told him in those dreams. He believed that God, what God said was true and he could count on it. It's much like us today. You see, God has given us promises. He has given us not dreams really, but promises in his word that we know are true. He has promised that he is for us and he's never against us, Romans 8 verse 31. He's promised that he will work all things together for good, Romans 8 verse 28. He has promised that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us, Romans 8, verse 37. He has promised that nothing can separate us from his love, nothing whatsoever. He always loves us, Romans 8, 38, and verse 39. He has promised that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Nothing is too hard for the Christian. We can do it. If God wants us to do it, we can do it, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. He has promised that he will supply all of our needs, Philippians 4, verse 19. 
He will never leave us nor forsake us so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. He has promised to prepare a place for us and then to come and receive us into himself someday and to take us to heaven. John 14, verses 1 to 3. Uh, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He also told us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that he's coming back, and he's going to take us home someday, and that's what we call the rapture. But then if you die before that happens, as many of our loved ones have, the Lord says that's not bad because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8. Therefore, with all this to be true, all these promises true because God gave them, then we don't have to worry about anything. There's that Christian song, you know, that Southern Gospel song, I think it is. It says, I won't have to worry anymore. We don't have to worry now. We don't have to worry at all because the Lord says, uh, be anxious or worry about nothing, but in everything but prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And so we can say, as Paul said, he said this, we can agree with him when he said, Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. But though we know all of that, life happens. Life happens. And life happening sometimes is not very pleasant. Sure, we know what, how it's going to turn out. Sure, we know that we are victorious. But we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen next week. We don't know what's going to happen next month. And we don't know what is going to happen next year. And so it was with Joseph. While he was wearing the coat of colors and being favored by his dad and having his dreams, all was great. But God told him that this is going to way it's going to turn out. They're going to bow to you, someday you'll be in authority, and uh, that's the way it's going to end. But he didn't tell him what was in between. He didn't tell him what was in between. That's the way it is with us. We know from the Word of God certain things are true, and they will, will, be, they will come to pass as the Lord has said. He will work it out together for good, but we don't know all the workings until that good comes. We don't know that. You see, Joseph didn't know about the hatred of his brothers at first. He didn't know about their secret desire to kill him. He didn't know that they would strip him of his, of his favored coat. He didn't know they would throw him in a pit. He didn't know that they would sell him to the Ishmaelites who would take him down to Egypt. He did not know that he would stand on the auction block in, in Egypt and go to the highest bidder as a slave. He, would know that he didn't know that he would become a slave in Potiphar's house. He did not know that in Potiphar's house... He, after he behaved himself the way he should, that he would rise to be overseer in that very important house. He didn't know this at that time. He didn't know that he was going to face a great temptation from a beautiful lady, Potiphar's wife. He didn't know that. He didn't know that he was going to refuse it, but she was going to falsely accuse him, and he would be thrown in prison. And as we saw earlier, his pri in prison he would have his feet clad in iron, so he would be shackled in prison. He didn't know that after a time he would get out of those shackles and he would actually become overseer in the prison. 
He didn't know that he would be an interpreter of dreams. He didn't know that he would have the hope of release because the butler told him he would remember him. He didn't know that the butler would forget. He didn't know about the disappointment that he would face after he realized the butler hadn't helped him at all. You see, when all this came to pass, or as all this came to pass, one thing about true, true about Joseph was he seemed to trust God. There's no indication in the passages about Joseph that he ever lost that trust in the Lord. He trusted the Lord. He served the Lord. He resisted temptation, and he remained faithful to God. And when things began to turn around for him to the positive, he still trusted the Lord. So this morning, I want us to consider some of the areas in which Joseph trusted the Lord. First of all, he trusted God when bad things were happening to him. Now, I've just already gone through all the bad things that happened to him. He was trusting the Lord. He was believing what we talked about some time ago, and that is blessings were disguised as trouble. He didn't know that. He didn't understand it, but I believe he believed that he could trust God through these bad things. He would trust the Lord. He could see the good that was going to happen in, in, in faith. He knew that God was still going to do what he said he was going to do, and that is someday he would be in authority. You see, all experiences in life are valuable. What you go through is valuable. I've told this many times to young people. Your experiences are valuable. Make sure you make the right choices, but they are valuable. Every work experience you have is valuable. I've had a lot of different work experiences. They started as a kid, of course, just doing what dad and mom told me to do. And then they went to working for a farmer and helping bale hay. And then occasionally he would let me drive the tractor and he would let me rake the hay. He paid me one summer with a calf. That calf died not too long after that. All my summer's wages were gone. But that was an important lesson for me to learn. After that, I went to to college. In college, I was on the forestry crew. So I cut down trees and we prepared a pulp wood, and we loaded those trucks with a pulp wood and take it to the mill. All those experiences I had. When we, got, when we uh, got married, I was working at Frigidaire on the assembly line at Frigidaire. And those experiences are still real to me, and they're very valuable. They taught me lessons. After seminary, I went off to, after college, I went off to seminary. And in seminary, I worked in different places. I worked at a place where we formed brake lines, and we'd go around these things, you know, and we'd form the brake lines for Ford or whatever it might be. We formed the brake lines. I've run the punch press. I've ran uh, welding machines. After that, I became a shipping clerk at R.R. Donnelly and Sons. All these experiences were very valuable to me, and I probably left out some, some things. Then, then I went uh, to... to West Virginia, I became assistant pastor for a year. And then I became a pastor, and I stayed at that church for over 21 years. And I did many things, you know, related to the pastorate. Pastors of small churches uh, do all kinds of things. <laughs> you know, we do all, a lot of different things. And that's, that's all right. That's a privilege, I believe. And uh, then when I left West Virginia, we took just a little bit of time off, thought it would be a little time off, ended up being almost two years. But I went to work 
And uh, I had to do something to make, and I didn't feel I could get a good job because when I told the people I wouldn't be there long, they might not hire me. So I just started my own business. So I've been an entrepreneur. I started my own business. It was called McGuffey Modifications. And uh, I d- did all kinds of things. You know, I painted, I, uh, I did construction, I did remodeling, I built buildings, I built pole barn, a pole barn and mini barns and, and potting sheds and lots of different things I did. And so all of those things were very valuable. But during those almost two years, I also remained faithful in the church where we were going. And I was a Sunday school teacher. And I sang in the choir. And I attended all the services. And I can say through all those almost two years there, that, and I was working my own, on my own job, trying to make enough money for us to live, and I hadn't ever done this kind of work before, but I had certain skills I could use, and I missed two services, Sunday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I missed two services through all that time. I know it can be done, I know, but I, became, I, came, I gained a great appreciation for people who work a job and still show up at the services. I gained a great appreciation for those. You see, all work experiences are important. And that's the way it was with Joseph. He trusted the Lord with all the opportunities, with all the things he had to do, he trusted the Lord. He trusted God when he could not see what God was doing. Now, it's true that he couldn't see what God was doing in all those bad experiences we've already mentioned. But I want to mention a couple in particular. First of all, he couldn't see what God was doing with the butler. The butler said, oh, you've interpreted my dream, and uh, if it turns out the way you said, I will be sure to put in a good word to you for Pharaoh. And he said, and Joseph said, tell Pharaoh I am unjustly, I was accused unjustly, and that I'm a slave down, or I'm a prisoner down here. Tell him that, and uh, maybe he'll help me get out. Well, the butler forgot it. Now, why did he forget it? It wasn't because he just, oh, I don't remember. It was because God wouldn't let him remember. And God kept him from remembering. Joseph didn't know that. Joseph didn't know that God was working in the butler and to keep him from remembering and bringing that to, to Pharaoh. Now, let's think about it. If he would have told Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh might have intervened and let Joseph out. Now, what would Joseph have done when he got out? I believe he would have gone home. I believe he would have probably gone home. He probably said, I've had enough of this place, and uh, it's not good. You know, I'm falsely accused, or I was sold as a slave and falsely accused and thrown in prison. I want to get out of here. But God didn't let the butler remember. And then Pharaoh. Pharaoh comes on the scene, and God... and. Joseph doesn't know what's going on in Pharaoh's life. He's trusting the Lord when God's dealing with other people he knows nothing about. And God gave a dream to, jo- to Pharaoh. In fact, he gave him two dreams. And he t- told him, you know, what, uh, what was going to happen through those dreams. And he didn't understand it. He said there's seven fat, uh, the, he saw fa- seven fat cows, good-looking cows, coming up out of the river. And then after that, he saw fat uh, seven lean cows, skinny cows, ugly cows, and come out of the river. And they stood there for a minute beside the fat cows, and then they turned and did something that's never been done before, and the cow ate up the cow. And so he saw that happen. That was the dream he had. Then he woke up. It scared him. You know, he woke up, and then he went right back to sleep, and he had another dream. 
and he dreamed these seven ears, and they're not corn like we think of today, but they were wheat, ears of wheat. And this stalk had seven on it, and they were really good-looking wheat. It was plump, and, and uh, it was really good-looking. I don't know if it's wheat or some other grain, but it was some of the grain, not corn like we know it. But these ears were there, and uh, they were really, they'd sprung up out of the ground, and they were really good-looking ears. And then all of a sudden, right beside them, sprung up these others, and they were terrible-looking. It looked like they had been through a wind, and the wind had just dest- almost destroyed those. And then those did something that's never been done, and those turned and ate the seven, the stalk and the seven uh, ears of a good wheat, ate it all up. And so uh, Pharaoh saw all that, and then he awoke, and uh, he didn't know what was going on. He was troubled in spirit, which means he was troubled in his mind, and he didn't know what to do. And so he called the magicians, and he called the wise men of Egypt and asked them to interpret the dream. He told them the dream, but they couldn't interpret it. Now, I believe these wise men were tricksters in some ways. I know the devil can give people powers. But I'm sure that they thought this was serious enough that normally they would have been able to bring up some kind of uh, interpretation. But they didn't. Why didn't they? God didn't let them. God didn't let them do that. God's working behind the scene. He's working with Pharaoh. He's working with those wise men. He's doing all that. And, And Joseph is in prison, knows nothing about it. But what's he doing? He's trusting God. He's trusting God. And then the Bible says... All of a sudden, the butler remembers. <laughs> and he remembers when he hears this. And uh, he says, oh, I, 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 had, I have a fault. I forgot to tell you about a man I met uh, two years ago. And he interpreted my dream and the, and the baker's dream. And both of them came out just as he said. And I, you restored to my office. And the baker, you hung. Pharaoh's attention came up and he said, I, I need to know that man. I need to meet that man. And so quickly, he r- brings him up out of prison. So, so uh, Joseph's trust in the Lord through all that. And then he trusted God for wisdom when it came time for him to serve before Pharaoh. Now, this is just the regular service when he, when he was to appear before Pharaoh and do whatever Pharaoh wanted him to do. He wasn't sure exactly what was happening, but the Pharaoh says, come up out of prison, and the Bible says he hastily did it. And so with wisdom, he did this. He had the wisdom to do the best job he could when he was overseeing in in Potiphar's house. He had the wisdom to do the best job he could when he's overseeing in the prison because God helped him do that, and he trusted God to do what he was supposed to do. And then he had the wisdom to stand before Pharaoh. Now, God gave him that wisdom because he was trusting the Lord. And what did that involve when he stood before Pharaoh? What, how did he show his wisdom that God had given him? First of all, he showed it by being respectful. He was standing before Pharaoh. He was re- respectful. The Bible says that he shaved himself. I read some commentators who said that uh, the... the um, Practice back in Egypt in that time was when this, certain, this kind of thing would happen, you would shave yourself, not only your beard, but your head. And so he was probably shaven. And then it says he changed his raiment. I got to thinking about that, you know. Uh, Joseph had six changes of raiment at this time. I mean, before. 
he changed from a coat of many colors to a captive clothes because he was taken by the Ishmaelites. He was changed from captive clothes to slave clothes. He changed the slave clothes to overseer clothes in Potiphar's house. He changed the overseer clothes to prisoner clothes in prison. He changed the prison clothes back to overseer clothes, probably in prison. He was over all the other prisoners and probably dressed differently. And then he changed the overseer uh, of of prison clothes when he shaved himself and changed his clothes and uh, changed his apparel so he could stand before Pharaoh. And then later, you know, there's another change that comes. The seventh change is found in verse 42 when Pharaoh puts a ring on his hand and he puts a gold chain around his neck and he puts on apparel of fine linen and he has the apparel of a ruler. And so God is changing his clothes. But he had the wisdom to do, just to stand before Pharaoh and to do what God wanted him to do and be respectful in the presence of Pharaoh. Then he had the wisdom to be humble. He was just got out of prison and he's got this golden opportunity to be an interpreter, and he knows he can do it because he knows God's going to help him do it. But he starts off by saying, it is not in me. I can't give you the dream myself. And then he says, I'm going to give it all to God, and I want you to know, Pharaoh, it's not in me, but God can give you this. And so he was confident. As he stood before Pharaoh, he was respectful, he was humble, but he was confident. He was confident that God would give him the interpretation. Before he ever got the interpretation, he says, God will give it. He was confident to to relay the interpretation to Pharaoh, knowing that it was exactly right. God had given it to him. He was confident to give God's word to Pharaoh. He was confident to give Pharaoh advice. When he interpreted for Pharaoh the dream, he said the seven uh, fat... Uh, cows and the seven uh, fat or plump uh, wheat, those are seven good years. And he said the seven lean cows and the seven uh, blasted uh, wheat that's been blasted by the wind, poor wheat, uh, those are seven famine years. And he said, he gives his own idea, as, as God told the dream, he added to this, he said, I've never seen anything like it in all of Egypt. And he said, he added this detail, he said, when the, when the cows ate the other cows, you couldn't tell that they'd eaten them. You know, if you ate a cow, <laughs> you probably gained some weight, <laughs> but you couldn't tell. And when the, the bad wheat ate the other wheat, you couldn't tell that they'd, that they'd eaten it. And so he's confident to give those details to Pharaoh. And then he's confident to give Pharaoh advice. And he says, here's the advice, Pharaoh. He said, you need to set a discreet and wise man over Egypt, verse 33. And you you should let him appoint officers over the land to take up one-fifth of the produce from the good years and store it away. Store that that produce in cities uh, around the kingdom and uh, so they'll be ready for the years of famine. And so he's trusting God to do what God has, him, has for him to do at that particular time. Then he trusted God for constraint and to be able to be still and keep your mouth closed. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Verse 37, it says, 
Let's see, I got the wrong passage there. Verse, verse 37, he says, And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. You see, verse 36, that the land perished not through the famine, and he stopped. He didn't say anything else. You know, many times we get ourselves in trouble because we don't have the wisdom to keep our mouth closed. Uh, I'm sure some thoughts went through Joseph's mind. He probably thought after he finished that interpretation of the dream, he probably thought, I should caution him not to let those, those, those wise men who couldn't interpret this dream be the one who rules over this pro- program, but he didn't. He probably thought, I need to tell him I've been a slave for 13 years, but he didn't. He probably thought, I need to tell him how I was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, but he didn't. He might have thought, I need to tell him how he should release me because I have helped him so much, and surely a guy like me, you shouldn't keep in prison. I was falsely accused. Would you please release me? But he didn't. He didn't say any of that. You see, he served God when God wanted him to serve him. He did what God wanted him to do. He relayed the message, and then he was quiet. He left the rest up to the Lord. You see, I imagine Joseph looked back and thought, you know, God's got me through all this, all these bad experiences, and here I'm standing before Pharaoh himself, and I'm helping him. I can trust God to take it from here. I can trust God to do what he's been doing all along, and that is taking care of me, and so he was quiet. And so he trusted the Lord enough to be quiet and let God work. He also trusted God to fulfill his desires for a wife and family. You remember that beautiful woman, Potiphar's wife? I guess she was probably beautiful. That she tempted him, tried her best to get Joseph to have immorality with him, with her, but but he would not do it. He rejected her. I imagine Joseph being a young man, he was less than 30 because he was 30 when he stood before uh, Pharaoh. And he had been in prison for a while, so I don't know just how old he was. But he was a young man. And he had desires like all young men do. And he was tempted like all young men are tempted. But he said no. He was willing to trust the Lord for the right time and the right person. And so he trusted the Lord. And God gave him the wife that God wanted him to have. Now, I know that she was a daughter of the priest of On, and she probably had pagan back, backings, but in God's plan, this was who he was given. And I imagine that when he got home and everything and they were raising their chil- children, he probably taught her and them about the Lord. And the Lord said, and it says in this passage, that God gave him two sons. And that is the first son, firstborn son was named Manasseh. And that means one who causes to forget. He said, God's been so good to me. He gave me a wife and he gave me a child. And I I mean, I'll just forget all those bad things. God has worked it out for good and he's caused me to forget. You know, it's good to know. It's good to be able to forget. I know you remember things that have happened, but those things shouldn't control your life. There's some people who had bad things happen to them and God gets them through it and those bad things still control them. They still have a bitterness inside and they still let those things control them. God doesn't want you to do that. And so he said, 
this one has helped me forget. And then he had another son named him Ephraim. And he said, God's allowed me to be fruitful. And that's what the the name means, fruitful. He's allowed me to be fruitful in the land of Egypt. And so his wife and his children were both gifts of God. But he waited. He trusted God to fulfill the desire for a wife and children when God's time came. He didn't get ahead of God. He trusted the Lord. And then he trusted God for strength and wisdom for the task that was before him. That was something he'd never had before, and that is to rule. He had been an overseer, but he had never been a ruler. And now he's to rule in the land of Egypt. And he trusted God for the strength and wisdom to do that. He went throughout the land of Egypt, the Bible tells us in verse 46. It seems like after Pharaoh gave him that responsibility... He got in his chariot that Pharaoh had given him, and he probably rode throughout the land of Egypt, surveying the land because he didn't know the land. He came there as a slave, and he really hadn't got to travel any, so he went all throughout all the land. Maybe he got to know some of the people. Maybe he got to, for them to, got to where they would trust him, and he was friendly to them. But anyway, he rode throughout all the land. And then, through the seven years of plenty, he stored up food in the cities from the crops around the city. Now, that detail is given us in verses 47 to 49, what he did. And that is, he had the city, he know, knew all these cities were out there because he had surveyed the land. And so his determination was, we'll build a storehouse in this city, and then the land around that city will store that house. It will fill that house. And uh, so one-fifth of the produce and in a bumper crop year, seven years, would go to that storage place. And then another city, the same thing. The fields around would fill that storage place. And so that when the famine came, they would be ready and they would be able to uh, disperse the, the, uh, the, the, the grain to the people who need it. Seven years of famine then came, then came after the seven years of plenty uh, were, were, uh, were expired. And then the Bible says that Joseph opened up the storehouses, and he sold to the people. Now, it doesn't tell whether he took the fifth part during the lands of plenty by force or by uh, edict or what he did or whether he bought it from them. I don't know, but he gathered the fifth. But when it came time for them to disperse it, he sold the produce. Now, you remember, the people had experienced seven years of plenty they probably had saved up some themselves. But they had seven years of prosperity. And now they have to use some of that prosperity to buy food uh, from, from Joseph. And, and so Joseph uh, sold the food. And that comes to the end. That come, brings the chapter to the end. Now, through that, we've learned these things. Joseph trusted God when bad things were happening to him. Joseph trusted God when he could not see what, was going, what God was doing with other people. Joseph trusted God for wisdom when the time, time came to serve, and he did it, did it well. He trusted God for constraint to be able to keep his mouth shut when it needed to be shut. He trusted God to fulfill his desires for a wife and family. He trusted God for strength and wisdom for the task that was before him to be the ruler. Joseph trusted the Lord. Now, what's it mean to trust the Lord? You see, trusting the Lord, 
and for Joseph was trusting him when he really couldn't see how things were working out. He had a promise. I will make you a ruler someday, and others will bow down before you. He had that promise from God. But all these other things, he didn't know how they fit in. But he trusted the Lord. How did he do that? Well, I think there's one key to it, and that is he just waited on God. He waited on God. There's an interesting verse in Isaiah 64, verse 4. It says this, for since, the beginning from, for since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. He says, I haven't, hasn't seen what God's prepared for them that wait on him. Joseph couldn't see it. He just knew God said, we the same way. We don't know the details. We just know God says it's going to work out for good. We know that God says uh, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. We know that. We don't know the details. God does, but he trusted him. And as Isaiah said, he, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Now that verse is used later in 1 Corinthians and people sometimes misinterpret it. They say, I hath not seen nor ear heard what the Lord has prepared for them that love him. And they say, we have no idea. But that's not what it says. Because the next verse says, but he hath revealed them. <laughs> yes, we do know. We don't know a lot about the future. We know a lot about what God's prepared for us. That's, but in this verse, in Isaiah, he said, God's prepared things for those who wait on him. A person who waits on the Lord is a person who trusts the Lord. Habakkuk said a similar thing in Habakkuk chapter 2. It says this, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And the next verse says, The just shall live by faith. Waiting on the Lord. It will come. God will fulfill his promise. God will take care of you. God will provide your needs. God will do all that. It will come. As Lamentations chapter 3 verse 26 says, it's good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. In Isaiah 40 verse 31, this is Clay Meenick's favorite verse. And it says this, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But you might say this morning, but pastor, what about Christians who go through trials and go through sickness and they die? What about people in our own church who got sick and they were going through a trial and it didn't end well, they died? The Lord would answer us by saying, it's all right that they died. It's still true. You see, there were people in the scripture we read about who died as well. And there are a lot of them, but let's just mention two, John the Baptist. If you ever read, if you read that again sometimes about John the Baptist, you notice the Lord's response. When they tell him about John that he got his head cut off, Jesus just goes right on. <laughs> now here's the Son of God who knows everything. Why isn't he disturbed and upset and saying, why did they do that? He knows. For John, 
He left his head down here, but he went to heaven. He went to be with the Lord, and everything's all right with John. We also read about Stephen. Stephen, the martyr that, that uh, preached that great sermon in Acts chapter 7. And then they stoned him to death. All he was doing was telling them the truth, and they stoned him to death. Lord, how does that work out? How is it that that bad thing happened and he died? How did it work for good? Stephen looked and saw the Lord standing, ready to welcome him into his presence, and he went home to be with the Lord. You see, the Bible says we go to be with the Lord when we die. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And, first, and Philippians chapter 1, verse 23 says it's far better. Recently, we experienced the loss of someone dear to all of us, and that's Brother Ed. And we sure hated to see him go. And the last minute I was there at the hospital, and the last minute I was praying God would intervene, but he didn't. He took him home. Was that bad, bad for Ed? Oh, no. <laughs> and his family realized that. He got to heaven before they did. It's better for him. It's far better. And he is in a far better place than we are. And it's true. It always turns out well for the child of God. As he says again in Romans chapter 8, he says, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. We can trust the Lord. But you know, it might be that someone here today has not trusted the Lord, not just for these things we've mentioned, the hard times and all that, but you haven't trusted the Lord as your Savior. You haven't put your dependence and your faith and your trust in what Jesus did for you on the cross of Calvary. And if that's true, then you will not go to heaven and you'll not be in, in his presence and you'll not be far better, it'll be far worse. And I encourage you, if you've never trusted the Lord, trust the Lord as your personal Savior. We can trust the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for reminding us of these truths in the Word of God. Thank you for a man like Joseph, who was a great example of someone who trusted the Lord, someone who waited on you, and you worked it out. You worked it out for good. The same is true of us, Lord. Help us not to throw in the towel. Help us not to quit. Help us to be faithful because we can trust you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.